Hello. Hello. Welcome to Goth and Bougie. Welcome to Goth and Bougie. Bougie. Episode 29. Goth and Bougie actually really fits us tonight because we are traveling to England. We're going to England. We're going to England. England. It's serial killer week for Mel. We're going <laughs> to England, Maddie Poppins. We're going to England. Maddie Poppins. Maddie Poppins. Yes, we I are. I finally watched that movie. You hadn't seen it The new one? Mm-mm. Oh, I haven't seen the new one. It's cute. I haven't seen the new one with what's her name in it. Uh, I don't recall. I know. I know. Who Blunt Emily Blunt. Yes, I have not seen that. Did one. I get her name right? I Holy think shit, so. I got something right. Damn. That's John Krasinski. That's and in Lynn the office. Well, Miranda is in it too. That's in the office, right? And yeah, John she's Krasinski. married to him. That's who they're married to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Lynn Manuel is the chimney sweep guy. Oh, I have to check it out. We're eating dinner. We are eating dinner. So we are literally watching the miracle of life happen. <laughs> Holy shit. So I have a story to tell. Like I always story do. Story time with Belle. So we have a fish tank and um, a while ago some our fish got a disease called dropsy. They got sick and they died. But we had a little albino picosmus and he lived and... We wanted to get new fish. Mm-hmm. Well, let me correct myself. I wanted to get new fish. My husband did not want to get new fish because he's the one who takes care of them. And I convinced him, look, the Picosimus has been fine for like four or five weeks now. We've reset the tank. Mm-hmm. It's cycle. Let's get some new fish. So we went and we got two white mollies. They're uh-huh. called balloon mollies because they're a little fat looking. Yeah, they are. They look fat. Uh-huh. That's Un- not why they're unusually fat. fat. Uh huh. Yeah. So sad story is our Picosmus ended up dying because we had a new fish in the tank. Robert lost his buddy. <sighs> he was sad. He won't even feed these fish. He's so pissed at it. So we went to build our deck over the last week, mm-hmm. and um, my other daughter, my younger daughter, stayed home and she was washing the fish and everything. But we came in, and she's like, "Oh my God, there's other fish in the tank." We go look over there, and there's baby fish all around the tank, like. My husband came out going, motherfucker. It's talking about the fish. Um, And then, um, so we just go over there and look again, and the other one is birthing baby fish now, too. So I've got a tank with like uh, 40 or 50 baby fish in it. So if you want a fish, (laughs) please let me know. I will be happy to give them to you, and you can take them off my hands. But yeah, we look over there, and my, my daughter's like, I think this other one's giving birth. And we go there and there's a fucking fish hanging out of its ass. Yeah. Well, I said, is it shit or is it fish? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a tail. A, it's a It's fish. a tail. It's definitely a fish. Oh, yeah. God. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. I said, it's like Jesus in the loaves and the fishes. <laughs> but this is a special episode as well because... They say it's your birthday. Oh, it's my birthday. It's my birthday too. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but it's Belle's birthday. This comes out June nineteenth and June twenty third. It's Belle's birthday. Happy birthday to me. Yes, happy birthday to. Wait, no. Happy birthday to. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Jasper's looking at you like what the fuck. Belinda, because I can only call her Belle. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to, to me. Okay. I Thanks, can't, I never guys. said I could sing, so. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Remember my last year birthday at Pan? That was awesome. Oh, not really, because I was drunk. <laughs> you don't remember it, do you? That's funny. There's not many nights at Pan I remember <laughs> us going. So, 
going through pictures and stuff the last week or so, because I'm getting a new phone, I told you this week, so I'm, like, making sure, like... Everything's backed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, for some reason, the picture popped up of when I sat in the laundry basket. Oh, no. The we've told. Why didn't you share it? No, no. We didn't take a picture of me in the laundry oh, basket. Okay, I'm about to say. The pictures from that night can are not shareable. <laughs> We know this, Belle. They are not shareable. Mm. <laughs> I remember that. My name. legs, like, all hyped up on the guy. <laughs> the kill. And I'm sitting on my legs. Her, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was crouched down on the uh, pole. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. I should have took a picture of you in that damn laundry basket. What was I thinking? I don't know, but that, that would have been, been funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyways. Yeah, so fun times. But, so, um, it's my serial killer week. How's your week been? Um, I made pasta. Uh-huh. We're eating it so fucking good. So, I mean, it's a three-week pasta. It's a three-week pasta. <laughs> three-week pasta. So, we're going on a trip on our favorite rocket, rocket ship. Zooming through the sky. Little Einstein. <laughs> Sad that we're we both know that. We're going to England. England. Come on a trip England. with us. To the trip to England. So we're in England. In Devon, England is where Devon. Rosemary West was born. What? <laughs> so... There are tapes out there that are with them, and I'll get to those in a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, I tried to listen to them. Like, they're police. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like, tapes? What yes. do you mean? For Rosemary West and Fred oh, West. Tapes. And so, there are a couple um, that were serial killers. And, man, they had a horrible... I'm not saying what it's okay. What time frame are we looking at, though? So, I, I can put it in my mind. I can visualize the cars and the... Um, so, Rosemary West was born... November 1953, so they're our parents' ages, around our parents. My mom was 52 in Devon, England. Um, her, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then I'll tell you a little bit about, um, what's his name? Fred. Fred. Who knows you Fred? That's a really American name. <clears throat> well, no, because no. one of the, the Weasleys was Fred. Yeah. One of the Harry Potter boys. Um, so, her mother's pregnancy was complicated, and she had to be given... Um, the ECT, the electroshock therapy. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Which was a treatment given to mothers with depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is believed that the ECT treatment could have led to Rose's subpar performance in school and aggression while growing up. Because she was pregnant with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her parents were definitely not happily married, and her father, excuse me, have hiccups. Okay. Her father was a paranoid schizophrenic. Who had burst of violent behavior. Her mother eventually left home with her, but Rose went back to live with her father after getting involved with a man named Fred West during her teen years. Despite her father objecting to her relationship with him, yeah, so she still stayed with him. So that's a little bit about Rose Mary. Well, a lot of fathers <clears throat> object to relationships, and all that does is make them stay with him. This is never going It to does, end. and that's, <laughs> luckily my girls, their boyfriends, I, I like both of them. Yeah. They have right now. So, or did you just fucking get the dog table food? No, look, it's just like a little, look at it. It's just like a little bit of the ricotta cheese okay. smeared on the plate. Okay. He does not get table food, no. Okay. But he thinks he got something special because there's a little bit of dotted cheese on the <laughs> There's a dotted cheese. <laughs> um, now, I like my girl's boyfriends, and I, I've, I've learned through the years, no, don't say you don't like them, don't say anything, because it just yeah. makes them, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, and if they break their heart, then I go, and t- I let them know that I Belle and I so. will come kill you yeah. and bury your body, That's so, right. you know, anyways, so, um, 
Fred West was born September 29th, 1941. So he's from 1941, which is more your dad's age probably. Yeah, my dad's Where she was 1953, so she's more my mom's also, age. She, he was 12 years older than her. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, so he was born When in, she was 12, he was 24. Listen, we're not going to talk about this age <laughs> difference shit again. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 30 years difference, you know, when you're in love. Wow. Age doesn't matter when you're in love. It doesn't matter when you're in love. Okay. So, (laughs) he was the first, God dang it, the first surviving child uh, born to Walter Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill. Now... First surviving, so Rosemary Rosemary West, her dad was like I said, was schizophrenic, and mom left and she went back. So she was dealing with the schizophrenia of her dad, which Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times the mental illness makes them have different mood swings and kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. But the life of Fred West that we're about to get into when he's growing up is just, I, I. I'm not going to say it's okay for what he did later on in life. Yeah, but it's still fun. Yeah, I imagine it's still But the stuff that he went through, he thought was all normal what he did to his children and his life. Yeah, it's no excuse, but it's... It's no excuse, but he did not know that it wasn't normal life. Right. Because that's all he knew. Right. And so it's like breaking that pattern and, and the trauma and the curses, you know, that everyone talks about now to break that pattern, like... He didn't break that pattern because right. he thought it was a normal part of life. And that's sad. It is very sad. So, um, it, he had a poor family of farm workers, close-knit and mutually protective. His father was the disciplinarian and his mother was overprotective. And hmm. let me tell you, she was really overprotective. Yes. Uh-huh. So, in 1946, the family moved to Moorcourt Cottage at Moorcourt Farm, where Fred's father worked as a milking herdsman and harvest hand. The cottage had no electricity and was heated by a log fireplace. By 1951, Fred's mother had given birth to eight children. Wow. Six of them who survived, but Fred was always mother's favorite. Of course. Mm-hmm. He was seen as a mama's boy and relied mostly on his siblings for companionship. Uh, the West children were expected to perform all the chores and stuff, which when you live on a farm, that's yeah. what's expected of yeah. kids on the farm because usually they want to be farmers, so you're mm-hmm. training them, you know, to be farmers and stuff. Um, all six did seasonal work, the three girls um, picking hops and strawberries, the three boys harvesting wheat and hunting rabbits. Uh, the necessity of working to earn a living or even just to survive instilled a strong work ethic in Fred, who also developed a lifelong hab- habit of petty theft. Because being poor, you know, they had to go and doing petty theft is the only way they could get the money mm-hmm. and get stuff they wanted. So they, his classmates at school considered him to be scruffy, dim, lethargic, always in trouble. Um, throughout his life, he remained scarcely illiterate, um, Yet displayed an aptitude for woodwork and artwork, which a lot of times the serial killers are like really creative, creative. and artsy. Maybe that's why George thinks I'm a serial killer because <laughs> I'm so creative. Um, he left school in December of 1956 at the age of 15, initially working um, as a laborer of Moorcourt Farm. So I did listen to a podcast, part start yesterday, finished today about them. Um, it's the Mile High podcast, I believe, is what it was called. And saying they do just different random stories, um, and it was a year ago that they did this story, and 
some of the stuff that I found out was not in some of the research I was looking mm. at and stuff, and it may come up here in a little bit. Um, but he basically, being on the farm, his dad was very, did, I don't know if he did, performed bestiality. Oh, wow. With the farm animals and stuff. So for him to see that, he thought it was yeah. a normal life. That's one wow. of the things that he thought was normal. Right. To see his dad performing bestiality yeah. with the animals and stuff. So that's a first clue that he's got a fucked up yeah. life. Watching your dad fucking a horse or yeah, fucking or a cow, goat or a cow or sheep. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so in 1957, uh, excuse me, let me go back here. Got ahead. So Fred claimed that he was introduced um, to sex by his mother at 12. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she was having sex with her son at 12. And I just look at that and I'm like, my son's 13 and it grosses what me the out. fuck? It grosses me out. I'm like, how do you look at your child like that? Uh-uh. How wow. do you look at your child like that? How did this couple get together? Such a fucked up couple. The same way this fucked up couple got together. Yeah, and then they got together, yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, to have engaged in acts of bestiality with animals in his early teens because he saw his father do it, and that his belief in incest being normal stemmed from his father's incest with his sisters Mm. and his mom Mm -hmm. having sex with him. Fred's youngest brother, Doug, dismissed these claims as fantasy on Fred's part. So she wasn't having sex Mm -hmm. with Doug. So he, he with, dismissed it, yeah. He dismissed it. But most it. child abusers do that. They, they focus on one. They do. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. And so Doug didn't have anything happening. And the sisters, they're like, no, y'all are just making this up. Mm-hmm. Our parents are perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. Because he wasn't seeing the dad fucking the horse, right. sheep, and cows. So by 1957, Fred and his brother, John, um, were very involved at a youth club in nearby Ledbury. And I'm so sorry if y'all are... Um, listeners in the UK and I'm pronouncing these towns incorrectly because I didn't fucking use Google but you know they're different so um so nearby Ledbury where his distinct um Herefordshire accent Uh marked him as a country bumpkin Mm. so which we have some of those around here too you know you can tell people are definitely from the country because they talk like this even when they're from the country you're like oh you're from the country they sound like Boomhauer from you're uh, from Greenville you're from Greenville Texas (laughs) Greenville um so he aggressively always pestered the women and girls who he objectified as sources of pleasure to be used as he saw fit yeah just objects Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he would abruptly approach and fondle them Wow. Yes. Did he grab him by the pussy? I was about to say that. <laughs> grab him by the pussy. Have you seen? There's, there is, a, I know you've probably seen like the TikTok or the Vine that was there and the guy, the lady's like talking and she's like doing the serious like whatever and the guy runs and goes, grab him by the pussy and my dog and she's, she's like, like, uh, <laughs> so fucking funny. Oh my God. So, um, so he used them as, as he pleased, basically, yes, and grabbed him by the pussy. <laughs> when a girl, um, like, was, okay, like, went towards his advances and stuff, right. she would find his sexual performance unsatisfying, and his primary <laughs> objective was his own gratification. Well, yeah, because he was fucking horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's just so gross. <laughs> Shortly after his 17th birthday, he bought a motorcycle, and two months later suffered a fractured skull... Oh. Head injury, a broken arm, broken leg in an accident. He was on, unconscious for seven days oh. and walked with braces for several months. Hmm. 
Because of this incident, he developed an extreme fear of hospitals and became prone to fits of rage, which is probably why he he was already obviously crazy, Mm -hmm. and this just made him even crazier, having um, hit his head. Hi, Jasper. Head injury. Two years later, he suffered a a further head injury when a girl he groped on a fire escape outside the Labor Youth Club punched him, (laughs) sending him falling two floors. Good for her. Good for fucking her. (laughs) More girls need to fucking punch these guys. No shit, right? can grab us by the goddamn pussy. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And I have gone on a date. The guy tried to grab. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, hell no, you didn't just do that. No. I uh, know. It's not okay. You should have seen my face. Because, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I said, excuse me, what did you just try to do? Hell no. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't get it. So, in June 1961, Fred's 13-year-old sister, Kitty, told her mother that Fred had been raping her since the previous December. Because he thought it was normal. Yeah. It was normal to him. He had gotten her pregnant. Oh, my God. He got arrested the same month. He freely admitted to police he had been molesting young girls since his early teens and asked, doesn't everybody do it? Oh, wow. He was tried on November 9th at Her- Herefordshire Assesses. 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 What is that now? A-S-S-I-Z-E-S. Assesses. Okay, sure. I guess. Though disgusted by her son's actions, Daisy had... She was disgusted by her son's actions. The mom that was She's raping one, her yeah. son. Disgu- yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Daisy had been prepared to testify in his defense. Kitty refused to testify. <clears throat> and the case collapsed. Much of Fred's family effectively disowned him. They disowned him after they put him through all this stuff. This is what they exposed him to and they disowned him. Wow. Yeah, so they, they are the cause. He just of had this fucked up. This one's saying like, the, I'm not saying the stuff he did wasn't uh, was it was horrible, absolutely right, horrible. Right, there's no excuse, but but he didn't know any different. And this child, someone should have these parents that yeah, his uh, parents will me, never pay for what they yeah, did to this child. It, it makes me sad for Fred the child. Yes, no excuse for Fred the adult. Right, but Fred the child, I'm sad for. For him to say, doesn't everybody do it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so they disowned him. His mother banished him from the household, and he wow. moved on to the much um, moved into the much Markle house of his aunt Violet. But by mid sixteen nineteen sixty two, he had reconciled with his parents, but his relationship with most of his family remained fraught. So I mean, because he was molesting his sister, you know, and I'm sure now Doug, his brother Doug, is like. Oh, maybe this is real. So it wasn't my parents. It was you fucking doing it this whole right, time. And right. it wasn't. The dad was doing it. So we come to Catherine Renee Costello. Fred became acquainted with Catherine um, Costello in September of 1962 when he was 21. He met Costello, who came from Coatbridge, La- Lanarkshire, <laughs> at a much uh, Markle dance hall in 1960. So much Markle is a town where his aunt lives and he lives with and dated her for several months before she returned to Scotland. She was pregnant by an Asian bus driver at the time of her marriage to Fred. Um, so they did get married and they may have relocated, uh, from Glasgow to England due to members of her family expressing their displeasure of her being pregnant with a mixed, um, race child, which is just, anyways, I have, I have mixed race children. It happens now, but even more so than in that time and, frame. And my girls are mixed race. Yeah. They're Vietnamese, Chinese, because they have the dialect. They have both. Um, and then I'm, of course, 
I'm actually British, Irish, white. as the driven snow. But I have British and Irish, yes. I, I'm white, white. With 1% sub-Saharan African. <laughs> yes. She's got a fat ass. And not P-H-A-T, a F-A-T. Um, so she married Fred in Ledbury in September of November. The sole guest being Fred's younger brother, John. Um, so Doug is like this is one of the ones that just totally like, no. They initially lived in Fred's aunt's home, then moved to Coat Bridge where Fred worked at an ice cream as an ice cream van driver. Oh god, that's creepy. Rena's daughter Charmaine <laughs> was born March nineteen sixty-three. To explain the child's mixed ancestry, Raina and Fred claimed that she had suffered a miscarriage and that Charmaine was adopted. Oh wow. That's so sad. her own mom was disowning her. Shortly after that, the couple relocated to Savoy Street in the Bridgeton district of Glasgow. 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 I know what Glasgow is. So in July of 1964, Rena bore Fred a daughter, Anna Marie. The child was born at the couple's Savoy Street home. Sounds so fancy. <laughs> they had a nanny, Isa McNeil, and neighbors of the West recall Rena as considerate as a considerate mother struggling to bring up two children. Fred cheated the children harshly because that's all he knew. Mm-hmm. That's all he knew. Like I said, I'm not making excuses, but that's he's. He's doing exactly what he knew. Right. The hurt usually become the people that hurt. The abusers become the abused become the abusers, abusers and yeah. that is what is happening. He kept the girls in the bottom of a bunk bed with bars fitted this, to the space between the bunks, always effectively caging them. Wow. They were allowed out only when he was at work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Kids are not animals. No. And and they're not possessions. They're not. They're not. They're, yeah. They're not. So, via McNeil, who's the nanny, the West became acquainted with the 16-year-old um, Anna McFaul. Um, and Anna, so Anna and McNeil were friends. Um, and so, she was a friend of McNeil's, who was just, uh, despondent over the death of her boyfriend in a workplace accident. McFaul spent a great deal of time at the West Flat. So, a flat's like an apartment. An apartment, yeah. Um, I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> Fred later admitted to having engaged in numerous affairs in the early years of their marriage and fathered one illegitimate, illegitimate <laughs> child with a woman from the Gorbals. So, he had a bastard child. When Rena discovered her husband's infidelity, she began on an affair with a man named John McLaughlin. I cannot talk. This is our third episode of recording, so I'm like getting tongue-tied. On one occasion, Fred discovered the pair in an embrace. He punched Rena, making her scream. In response, uh, McLaughlin Lachlan punched Fred, who drew a knife and grazed McLaughlin's wow. stomach. He punched, was punched by McLaughlin a second time. Fred stopped defending himself. Years later, McLaughlin recollected his inc- this incident. He couldn't tackle a man, but he wasn't slow in attacking a woman. Mm-hmm. So he, I guess, of his mother, like what yeah. she did, being that overbearing mother, raping him, he ha- he was angry. Mm-hmm. He was angry at his mom, and this is how he's taking it out, is on Women. any woman he could yeah. get his hands on. So he and Raina continued their affair, and McLaughlin began increasingly aghast at Raina's bruises and black eyes. On an, each occasion, it became apparent Fred had beaten his wife. Mm-hmm. So then he would extensively beat Fred. Another time, he witnessed Charmaine, a little older than a toddler, ask Fred for an ice cream from his van. In response, Fred struck her across the head. Wow. Triggering another beating from McLaughlin. On November 26th and November 4th, 1965, Fred accidentally ran over and killed a small boy in (gasps) Glasgow with his van, his ice cream van. 
Fred was cleared of any wrongdoing because it was an accident. He didn't purposely Are run over sure? the kid. Yes. <sighs> but feared the hostile reaction and potential reprisals from the locals who relied upon making his living having an ice cream truck. Um, so, in December, he returned to um, Gloucester with Charmaine and Anna Marie, renting a caravan at the Timberland um, Caravan Park at Bishop's Cleave. Rena joined him in February of 1966, so from November 65 to February of 1966 is when she joined them, accompanied by Issa McNeil and Ann McFoss, so their nanny and her friend, who also moved into Fred's caravan. McNeil and McFaw both came from impoverished backgrounds. Both hoped to find work in England. Shortly after the move south, Fred found employment driving a lorry for a local um, abattoir. So by early 66... What's a lorry? A car, a truck. I know the abattoir from that one serial killer that I did. She worked at an abattoir, and that's a butcher shop. So I would think it's like a delivery Maybe truck. Maybe like some type of truck. Lever- I know yeah. a lorry, I, mean, I believe a delivery vehicle, truck. But, yeah. So by early 1966, he began to exhibit... Um, Do- Fred had begun to exhibit dominance and control over all three women. Hmm. Yeah. Which... Is all he knew from his dad mm-hmm. because he was dominant, you know. So he was also prone to violent mood swings. And Rena McNeil typically bore the brunt of his fury. Of course they did. Of yeah. course. Because these girls were scared to leave because they're like, we're living here for free. If we leave, we're going to be poor. We're living the life now. Like, that. this is probably more than they've ever had in their it's entire like life. the chicks that got in with the Tiger King guy. Not the Tiger <laughs> King. But the other oh, guy. Oh, the other guy. Doc oh, Antle. he's so nasty. The Doc God dang, he's They're nasty. just trapped there. They can't leave. <laughs> but there's, he's so nasty, right? Yes. Oh, he just grosses me out. God dang, he grosses me out. <laughs> so Fred also physically attacked his stepdaughter more than once. He also reported to have begun sexually abusing Charmaine, his stepdaughter, and to have encouraged Raina to turn to prostitution. Oh, wow. Damn. To supplement his, yes, his income. So to escape Fred's domestic abuse, increasingly sadistic sexual demands, Raina phoned McLaughlin, begging him to rescue her. What's going on? I had to open that gate. Sorry. Oh. Who's here? My daughter's DoorDash order. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) McNeil and her children together, McLaughlin and Raina McNeil devised a plan. He and McNeil's boyfriend, John Trotter, would secretly drive to Bishop's Cleave and McLaughlin's mini and discreetly take Raina, her children, and McNeil back to Scotland. McFaw, who was the man she was having an affair Mm -hmm. with, had by this stage become infatuated with Fred, who had promised to marry her. So McFaw is the um, friend of the nanny. So she was infatuated with him. Why? The fuck? Have you seen his picture? Just God. So a lot of times that's, um, so what's the case? There's several cases that they, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah. They get that Stockholm syndrome and it's like they're brainwashed right. and they believe that's the only person that loves them and stuff. So I feel like maybe she had Stockholm syndrome. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's the only guy I can think of. So McFaw had, by this stage, become infatuated with Fred, who had promised to marry her. It is likely she informed Fred of the plan as he arrived at the meeting time, and McFaw was oddly calm. As she informed McNeil, she intended to remain with Fred to work as the children's nanny, and altercation ensued between Fred and McLaughlin, resulting in Fred being struck several times as he clutched onto Charmaine and Anna Marie. Police were called, and McLaughlin, Trotter, McNeil, and Raina left. With Fred threatening to kill Raina, should he ever see her again. Wow. 
So to ensure his da- her daughter's well-being, Raina frequently traveled to England to visit Charmaine and Anna Marie while they lived with Fred at Bishop's Cleave. Uh, despite initially maintaining her friendship with McFaw, Raina soon began to resent her uh, matriarchal um, presence around her daughters. And what I don't this is get, just a fucked up family I t- unit. I told you what. What I don't get is the stepdaughter is staying with him. Yeah, why? I don't understand that. I don't get it. I have the hiccups. <laughs> why? Why is it Alexis scaring us now? You're the shit. I did want so, to make it where the the door may get knocked on. So that's fine. Well, I don't want to I'm, I'm going to stop right here. We have okay. a few more. I don't so, want to you. Okay. So despite initially maintaining her friendship with McFaw, Raina soon began to resent her uh, again. Yeah. Them being around her daughters. So in an act of resentment, Raina stole some belongings from Fred's caravan and returned to Glasgow. She was arrested the following month and returned to um, Gloucester to Gloucester to face trial on November 29th. Raina was sentenced to three years probation. Fred testified at the hearing, motherfucker, admitting he and McFaw were living together, but falsely claiming McFaw intended to return to Scotland intimately. So, do you need to take a break? We so, do need to take a So, we're going to take break. a break, a break. We'll be right back, and we're going to go on to what these murders and the trial and the rest Fucked of this up. family. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, they're using our gypsies trance and these again. Yeah, well, I said, you keep talking that his caravan. I was wondering if they're gypsies. I said, gypsies, tramps, on <laughs> Maybe. Oh, geez. So, um, before we get into the his first murder, so after the trial, murder, murder. detectives discovered it was murder. murder. <laughs> so after the trial, McFall moved into a caravan at the Timberland Caravan Park. So I'm thinking it's like an RV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Arena alternated between living with Fred and returning to Glasgow. Letters McFaul posted to her family, McNeil, in Glasgow between 1996 and 1967 indicate she believed a relationship with Fred. Wait, could 1996 and 1967? 1966 and 1967. Um, but she's he's married already, right? But she's trying to convince him to divorce. Okay. So, because Raina ran off, right? With right. what's his face, got came back, stole stuff, got in trouble, went to jail. Now Raina's going back and forth, right? With her lover and her husband, Crazy. you know, because our girls are there. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine being one for my kids. Like right. that's probably so hard for her. So in July 1967, McFall, she was 18. And this is hard. She was 18 months pregnant. 18 months. Eight months pregnant. <laughs> Do you see my eyes? Do you see my face? <laughs> what the? She was eight months pregnant. I was like, what the fuck? She, she had was an elephant? <laughs> as, a matter, as, a, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's okay. My, okay. my face, I know. Stop it. The fuck? So in July of 1967, McFall, she was 18 and, and eight, eight months, months pregnant yeah. with Fred's child. She vanished. Oh, wow. She was never reported missing. 
but her dismembered remains were found buried at the edge of a cornfield between Mitch Markle and Kimpley in oh, June of 1994. That poor girl. Her limbs had been carefully um, disarticulated and many phalange bones were missing from her body, likely to have been retained as keepsakes. So they always he always kept a bone. Wow. And I'll tell you about that a little bit later on, how they use these bones. Her unborn child may also have been cut from her womb. <gasps> Fred initially denied he had killed McFall, but confided to one visitor following his arrest that he had stabbed her to death following an argument. This explained an inconsistency <clears throat> with the fact that her wrists were found with sections of dressing gown cord wrapped around them, suggesting she had been restrained prior to her murder. Mm. So he was very much into the BDSM bondage. Yeah. Bondage being a sexual sadist. He definitely was very much into that. And we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. The following month, Raina returned to live with Fred because she didn't realize that. Because this is, again, 1967 is when she was killed and went missing. They didn't find her stuff, her stuff, her bones till mm-hmm. 1994. Wow. So, our senior year. So, the following month, so that would have been um, August of 1967, Raina returned to live with Fred, and the couple relocated to the Lake House Caravan Park. Um, Their relationship improved a little bit, but Raina left the following year, again, leaving the children in his fucking care. Wow. I just... It floors me. Mm-hmm. She knows he's fucking molesting her yeah. child, stepchild, and the way he treated... He had him caged in beds. Why are you leaving your goddamn kids there? Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care. I would do whatever it is to keep my kids safe. And yeah. I've told my kids that. You know, I just... I, yeah. can't, I don't get it. Um, on these occasions when Fred had no women to supervise and care for the girls, he temporarily placed them in the care of Gloucester Social Services. So, yeah. So, he basically would, like, give them to foster care. Wow. Yeah. How convenient. He needs a break. I didn't know you could okay. do that. Apparently you can. How <laughs> do you get it back? <laughs> so he first encountered Rosemary Letts, um, <clears throat> which is eventually his Rosemary West, mm-hmm. in, ni- in early 1969, shortly after her 15th birthday. Hmm. That's why they had a huge age difference. The pair first met at um, Shelterton Home best station initially rose was repulsed by fred's unkempt appearance and i'll post a picture of them because he looks so like she the, was 15 he was 27 he looks like the fucking the hulk <laughs> oh my god he does yes like no Lou, he, he, he also looks like um, in that 70s show donna's dad <laughs> it's the hair it's a, he has the 70s sideburns and hair. Did you ever watch that show? The 70s show? I've watched Adam. It, it's cute. That's And Bob. then she, like, has the 80s mom glasses wow. on. Because my mom had so had glasses mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then she, I don't know. It would be a Karen haircut now, as my yeah, son Yeah, she's kind of homely. So, on a side note, remember my hair was, like, cut super short? Which mm-hmm. I love it super short. I can never cut it that way again. Why? Because Because my son said, I didn't like it when you had that Karen haircut. Oh, that's hilarious. You son of a little shit. Tell him that's funny. He, oh, I thought it was funny. I'm like, fine. High five him But I look on cute with short hair. It does look cute on you, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I wasn't a Karen, but I wasn't a Karen, so that's, that's so the funny. thing. That's hilarious, oh, David. Shit. Good job. He does listen to our podcast. So. <laughs> high five, David. <laughs> uh, so, 
She didn't like his unkempt appearance and deduced he was a tramp, but she quickly became flattered by the attention Fred continued to, to lavish on her. <laughs> my hair went in my mouth. Honor over the following days as he um, invariably sat alongside her at the same bus stop. So he was really pursuing her. Rose twice refused to go on a date with Fred, but allowed him to accompany her home. Um, in their ad- initial conversations, Fred quickly discovered that although Rose had never had a boyfriend. So well, she's 15, of course. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Had never had, a, so she was overly promiscuous. Oh. Yes. He also ex- uh, extracted a degree of sympathy from her by claiming he so was she had not, never she had never had a boyfriend, but she was overly she promiscuous. She was promiscuous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he, she also showed like a degree of sympathy from her, uh, or he got a lot of sympathy from her by claiming he and his two daughters had been abandoned by his wife. So I have the hiccups. <laughs> you can't get rid of them. Now you have them. <laughs> okay, and then he wished for more children. Oh my! So he said that he was abandoned, which of course he lied. So he's. He's a narcissist. He's mm-hmm. love bombing her, trying to get her in. Oh, yeah. Let's get her reeled in with this long fishing line. You know, get her reeled in and let's get going. So, he discovered that she worked at a nearby Rose shop. Uh, Rose. Her name was Rose. A nearby bread shop. Um, a few days after their first encounter, he persuaded an unknown woman to enter the premises and present her with a gift accompanied by the explanation that the demand was outside. Okay. Yeah. You know, hey, there's a man outside. I would say, oh, who the fuck's outside? A man? Oh, hell no. Uh, Tell 15? him to move on. Yes. Yeah, no. Fuck that. Um, and he had asked um, her to say there's a man outside to present her a gift to her. Minutes later, Fred entered the premises and asked Rose to accompany him on a date that evening, an offer she finally accepted. Shortly after that, Rose began a relationship with Fred, becoming a frequent visitor at the Lake House Caravan Park and willing childminder to Charmaine and Anna Marie, whom she noted were neglected and whom she initially treated with care and affection. Mm. On several occasions in the early days of their courtship, Rose insisted she and Fred take the girls on excursions to gather wildflowers. Within weeks of her first meeting Fred, Rose left her job at the bread shop in order to become the nanny to Charmaine and Anna Marie. This decision was made with the agreement that Fred would provide her with sufficient money to give her parents on Fridays to convince them she was still obtaining a yeah, salary at working. the bread shop. Mm-hmm. So she's getting reeled into all his lies. Several months later, Rose introduced Fred to her family, who were against um, at their daughter's choice of partner. They were so of course. <laughs> I mean, I, he was what? She's 15 and he's 27. How old? 27? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I have vomit in my throat. My food's coming up. But love has no, there's no age limit to love when you're in love. I read Rose's the same mother, that there's an equation. It's half your age plus seven is what would be socially acceptable to date. Half your age plus seven. And it really works for any age. I don't know if I'd want to go down half my age plus seven. Because how old would that person be? Well, if you're 40... Four. Oh, you're 44. Oh, yeah. Forgot we're going to be 44 this year. Then it would be 22 plus 7, so 29. No. I have nothing in common with the fucking No, but I'm saying that like it might be acceptable if you were to meet a very um, mature 29-year-old. So a 45-year-old and a 23-year-old. No, that doesn't work. Acceptable. It doesn't. Yes. You're right. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's that doesn't work. Daddy issues. Right. Pedophile. Anyways. 
Just saying. I'm I just, know. It's just I know, weird. Right? It's weird. I don't know. Like, even like when I have my dating profiles, I did not go past um, the youngest that I would date is 39. Mm-hmm. I will not go past 39. The oldest I have to date is 52. Because mm-hmm. I'm okay with having an older guy. Like, that's fine. You know, but he's not so much older. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have a lot in common. So, you know. Um, so they were in agreement that Fred would provide. So several months later, again, she introduced him to the family, her family. Rose's mother, Daisy, was unimpressed with Fred's, um, like his Rico Suave ways. Yeah, I could be. And Craig I could see that. he was a pathological liar. Completely unimpressed. <laughs> and she knew. She, she, did not buy into his bullshit and knew he was a pathological liar. Her father, Bill Letts, a diagnosed schizophrenic, who is believed to have molested his daughter, hmm. disapproved of the relationship, threatening Fred directly and promising to call social services if he continued to date his daughter. So she was from a similar type of mm-hmm. home life. Right. And they were the perfect storm to meet. Right. So... The relationship. Rose's parents forbade their daughter from continuing to date him. Of course, it's going to make her want to date him more, like mm-hmm. we've said before. And she defied their wishes. Um, so it prompted um, them to visit Gloucestershire Social Services to explain their 15-year-old daughter was dating an older man. That's not trying to pronounce Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I can say Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire? Sure. Uh-huh. What Bell said. I'm going to just say what Bell said. Gloucestershire. 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 I can see it. But when I read it, I could say it now. So they went to social services and said that they were dating. And said, you know, our 15-year-old daughter is dating this older mm-hmm. man. And it's yeah. not okay. It's not okay. And, um, but wait a minute. Didn't someone date an older man when we were in high school? Oh, that's right. <clears throat> not that old. <clears throat> Somebody in this room. <laughs> that fucking old. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> God. Okay. So, um. And I lied about my age, so it doesn't matter. Not their fault. Shit. <laughs> so, and that they had heard rumors that she had begun to engage in prostitution at his caravan. In response, Rose was placed in a home for troubled teens in Shelton Home. Ham, Shelton Ham, Shelton <laughs> Ham, in August 1969, and only allowed to leave under controlled conditions. So it was almost like a boarding house or a halfway house. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, when allowed to return home to visit her parents on weekends, Rose almost took the opportunity to visit Fred every time, every second she could get when she would go home. When she turned 16, she left the home for troubled teenagers to return to her parents. But she she really wasn't a troubled teenager. No, she had fun. She was molested by her dad, yeah. who's schizophrenic. They just were mad because they couldn't keep control of her from seeing this guy. So, mm-hmm. technically, the man should have been arrested. Well, and she was troubled because, I mean, both relationships, her mom and her dad and her this yes, guy. But, but she wasn't, I'm saying troubled, like, she wasn't, she wasn't doing anything to cause harm. No, Death, it was the, yeah, drugs. she was an abusive, yeah. Yes, she was. It's not like she was in a good home and she yes. was just being rebellious. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when she turned 16, she left the home and to return to her parents. Fred at the time was serving a 30-day sentence for theft and unpaid fines. Upon Fred's release, Rose left her parents' house to move into the um, Shelterham 
Fred lived in. Don't make fun of me. Shortly thereafter, Fred collected Charmaine and Anna Marie from social services. I just, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. I get it because now mm-hmm. that would not happen. Right. You have to go through classes, and you have, it's a process, and it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, so Bill Letts made one final effort to prevent his daughter from seeing Fred and Rose was ex- examined by a police surgeon in 1970 who confirmed she was pregnant. In response, Rose was again placed into care, but was discharged on March the 6th, and on the understanding, she would terminate her pregnancy and return to her family. Oh, wow. Instead, she opted to live with Fred, resulting in her father forbidding his daughter from ever again setting foot in his household. Wow, yeah. So, I don't know how it is in the UK, but here in working for an OB-GYN, so I know this, working in the state of Texas, um, when, when, so you're a minor, once you become pregnant, you're not a minor. Right. When, as soon as you have that baby, you're a minor again. again. It's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So three months later, the couple vacated the Shelton Ham flat and lo- re- uh, relocated to the ground floor flat of a two-story house in Midland Road, Gloucester. So on October 7th, 1970, Rose gave birth to their first child, a daughter they named Heather Ann. Speculation remains that Heather may have been sired by Rose's own father. Hmm. So, two months later, Fred was imprisoned for the theft of car tires. For what? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Because it doesn't say tires. It says... I mistyped. It's tires and vehicle tax discs. Okay. <laughs> I put T-Y-R-E-S. For the theft of car tires. Tires and okay. car discs. So theft of car stuff. Simple okay. Cars. Parts. Car parts. Gotcha. He remained in prison until June 24th, 1971. Um, he served his six and a half month sentence. Rose, um, having just turned 17, looked after the three girls with Charmaine and Marie being told to refer to Rose as their mother. Wow. According to Anna Marie West, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to criticism. They were older than her, though, weren't they? No. Okay, so they were still no, young. No, they were still younger. young. Not much younger. Yeah. Um, they were subjected to criticism, beatings, and other forms of punishment throughout the time they lived under Rose's care at Midland Road. But although Anna Marie was generously submissive um, and prone to display emotion in response to the physical and mental hardships she and her sister endured, Charmaine repeatedly infuriated Rose by her stoic refusal to either cry or display any sign of grief oh, wow. or servitude. So she basically was standing up mm-hmm. to her. And she didn't yeah. like it. Um, so no matter refusing how, to cry, right, refusing so to no matter, yeah. show any emotion. Yeah. So no matter how severely she was physically punished, she I'm just sure that pissed there. her off oh, too. Oh yeah. It makes them more mm-hmm. more mad. That's why I say kill with kindness. It makes mm-hmm. them more mad, and mm-hmm. it's funny. It's funny as hell. Kind of passive aggressive. Right. Despite the years of neglect and abuse, Charmaine's spirit had not been broken, and she um, talked wistfully to Anna Maria to the to the, to the belief. She held that her mummy will come and save me. Mummy mm. will come and save me. Anna and Marie later... Rec- but her um, mom was the one that's missing, right? So their mom is Raina. confused. Okay, okay, Their okay. mom is Raina. There's so much going on. It's like a soap opera. Went back and forth. <laughs> the one that's missing is the nanny's friend. Okay, okay, okay. So Raina went off with her lover. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm there with you again. So um, like, Anna like Marie... I know. And on... On days of our lives. No. These are the days of our lives. <laughs> Whatever. I used to watch all that stuff. Um, or General Hospital. Um, but her real mom. Did you really? 
When I had Rick Springfield on it? I was watching Price is Right. And we watched shit. Price is Right, too. <laughs> yeah, we watched Price is Right, too. But that always come on after Price is Right. Hmm. Yes, and Sesame Street. And oh, Sesame Street, yeah. Reading Rainbow. Lost your company. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, how was I? Okay, so she thought her mom was going to come save her. She mm-hmm. always thought that in the back of her head. Anne-Marie later re- um, recollected... Her sister repeatedly um, antagonized Rose by making statements such as, my real mummy wouldn't swear or shout at us like this, in response to Rose's scathing language. A childhood friend of Charmaine's named Tracy Giles, who had lived in the upper flat of Midland Road, would later um, recollect an incident in which she had entered the West Flat unannounced, only to see Charmaine naked and standing upon a chair, gagged, and with her hands bound behind her back with a belt. Aww. As Rose stood alongside the child with a large wooden spoon in her hand, according to Giles, Charmaine had been calm and unconcerned. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she just, she took everything. Yeah. So basically, she was, I, I just, Charmaine, I just can't imagine the stuff this child went through. I mean, even as an adult stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and we've been through a lot of shit. Yeah. Like, I've been abused and beat yeah. up by an ex-boyfriend mm, and beat too. the shit beat out of me. So, we've been through so much. And I, this child has been through so much. So, while Anna Marie had been standing by the door with a blank expression on her face, um, watching Charmaine go through all this, hospital records reveal Charmaine had received treatment for a severe puncture wound to her left ankle. And the casualty unit of the... The um, Gloucester Royal Hospital on March 28, 1971. The incident was explained by Rose to have resulted from a household accident. These kids were in and out of the hospital so many goddamn times. And in the 70s, I know, like, you could smoke in hospital. Yeah, like, it wasn't as, still. It was like, there's a piece of hair. There. At I'm one point, did they not realize what was happening? Yes. Like, I don't know, because I know now, like, if a child goes in, they're going to be able to pull other records from other mm-hmm. hospitals. Right. And be like, well, they were this one. Let me call this hospital and talk to this doctor. Yeah. Oh, you saw so-and-so. We have him here now. Mm-hmm. Suspected child abuse. Like, they put those notes in there because they remain, an, you know, they remain yeah, yeah. private and Where back then, that networking wasn't yes. there. So, Rose is to believe to have killed Charmaine shortly before Fred's mm. prison release. Uh, June 24th, 1971. She is known to have taken Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather to visit Fred on June 15th. It is believed to be on or very shortly after the date of that that Charmaine was murdered, um, as well as forensic um, dental records confirm- confirmation that Charmaine had died while Fred was still incarcerated. Further testimony from Giles' mother, Shirley corroborated the fact that Charmaine had been murdered before Fred had been released on June 24th. In her later testimony at Rose's trial, Shirley Giles stated she and her family had lived in the upper flat of 25 Midland Road in 1971 and that two daughters had been playmates to Charmaine and Anne-Marie. Shirley Giles stated that after her family had vacated the upper flat of Midland Road in April of 71, one day in June, she had brought Tracy to visit Charmaine only, so after they moved out to bring, visit her friend, mm-hmm. um, only to, um, for Tracy to be told by Rose, she's gone to live with her mother and bloody good riddance before Tracy began to wet. So that little girl knew something Whoa. was right after seeing that. As with the Giles family, Rose explained Charmaine's disappearance to others who inquired about her whereabouts by claiming that Raina had called and taken her eldest daughter to live with her in Bristol. 
She informed staff at Charmaine's primary school that the child had moved with her mother. So everyone thinks that she's with her mother. Yeah, and why moved wouldn't they? London. I mean, there's nothing to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be a, a, yeah. a logical reason. Okay, she's with her mom. Yeah. Okay, you know. So when Fred was released from prison on 24th of June, um, he allied Anne-Marie's um, concern for her sister's whereabouts by claiming her mother had collected Charmaine and returned to Scotland. In her autobiography, Out of the Shadows, Anna-Marie... Well, she wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Recollected um, that when she excuse me, recollected that when she asked why her mother had um, collected Charmaine but not her, Fred Cowsley replied, "She wouldn't want you, love. You're the wrong color." <gasps> because Charmaine was mixed. Baby. Yeah. Just yeah. to hurt her. But that's all they did. It was either verbal, physical mm-hmm. abuse. Charmaine's body was initially stowed in a coal cellar on Midland Road until Fred was released from prison. He later buried her, buried her naked body in the yard close to the back door of the flat. He remained adamant he had not dismembered her. A subsequent autopsy suggested the body had been severed at the hip. This damage may have been caused by uh, building work Fred conducted at the property in 1976. Several bones, particularly patella, finger, wrist, toe, and ankle bones, were missing from her skeleton. Again, I'll tell you why that's they're missing, what they did with those bones. Because they always kept bones from everyone they killed. They kept some... And a lot so of it was her, the kneecaps. they say, Rose killed while he was in prison. Right. Um, but he buried her. And yeah, he says he didn't he got her, out but went. they always kept... Bones. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were their their knee bones were missing. Oh wow! And it's just a weird. It's weird. So this proved to be a distinctive discovery, and all the autopsies of the victims exhumed in 1994. Mm. So Raina maintained sporadic content with her children on um, contact with her children on each occasion she and Fred separated. She also was known to have visited a Moor Court Cottage to inquire to her children's whereabouts and welfare in the latter half of August 1971. Fred's sister-in-law, Christine, later um, recollected Raina was depressed and extremely anxious about her children's welfare. I mean, I would be too after knowing what he could do. Especially, Charmaine wasn't even his biological child. So why did he have her? Why? Yeah. Was she that afraid of her life that I just, I don't understand. I still don't understand why. I don't know. So, Christine, his, Fred's sister-in-law, later said that she was depressed, extremely anxious about her children's welfare. Bring provided with Fred's Midland, Fred's Midland Road address, Raina sought to confront him, likely to discuss or demand custody of her daughters. This was the final time Raina was seen alive. She's believed to have been murdered by strangulation, possibly in the backseat of Fred's Ford um, Popular and likely um, while intoxicated. When her body was discovered, a short length of metal tubing was found in her remains, mm. leaving an equal possibility she had been restrained and subjected to sexual assault prior to her murder. Raina's body was extensively dismembered, placed into plastic bags, and buried close to a cluster of trees known as yew tree copies at Letterbox Field, about one mile from Much Markle. Wow. So, he murdered her as well. Um, so, now we're in 1972. Fred and Rosemary, um, they get married in 1972. The ceremony took place, I mean, now his wife's dead, so yeah, they can get married. 
So the ceremony took place at Gloucester, was Gloucester, Gloucester, Gloucester mm-hmm. Register Office uh, with Fred incorrectly describing himself as a bachelor upon the marriage certificate. <laughs> no family or friends were invited. Several months later, with Rose pregnant with her second child, the couple moved from Midland Road to an address nearby, which is a, um, this is the address that now is very popu- popularized and is very well known, 25 Cromwell Street. Is where a lot of the murders happened. Okay. Um, so it's where a lot of the brutal stuff happened and other stuff. Initially, the three-story home was rented from the council. Fred later purchased the property from the council for £7,000 to facilitate the West purchasing the property from the council. Many of the upper four rooms were initially converted into bedsits to supplement the household income. So they were like apartments they could rent. To maintain a degree of privacy for his own family, Fred installed a cooker and a wash basin on the first floor landing in order um, that their lodgers need not enter the ground floor where the West family lived and only he and his family were permitted access to the garden of the property. On June 1st, Rose gave birth to his second daughter. The date of his birth led Fred and Rose to name the um, child May-June. Shortly after giving birth to the second child, May June, Rose began to work as a prostitute, operating from an upstairs room wow. at the residence and advertising her services in local contact. That magazines. was a prostitute. That woman right there. That fucking ugly ass fucking <laughs> woman was a goddamn prostitute. What the fuck? She is like. <laughs> but it cra- so it's even worse. And I post this picture. There's a picture of my sister's baby shower. My mom has that fucking same haircut and those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and those glasses. And she has blonde hair, though. Did this guy has dark, mom? clearly has. No, but I am going to get home. Like, because she was at work when I was doing I'm like, God dang, she has that same fucking haircut. Because the 70s, it's so yeah. 70s, 80s. Like, oh my God. Well, my sister's born in 79. So, um, so. Yeah, it's just nuts. It's nuts. I'm like, what the hell? It's like her fucking haircut. So she began, began um, in an upstairs room, she began um, being a prostitute and using that with her kids downstairs. Um, so she put local um, advertising in her services in a look. She advertised in local contact magazines um, with advertisements that, you know, for being a prostitute. So Fred encouraged Rose to seek clients in Gloucester's West Indian community. Through these advertisements, in addition to her prostitution, Rose engaged in casual sex with both male and female. This gets crazy. This is where it gets fucking crazy. The story. I'm listening to this podcast, and when they were talking about this, I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I guess, when I'm married, I'm married to that person, yeah. and I don't share. I don't play well with others. You don't. I'm, I'm yours people, and you're mine. And some, some people, people like yeah. that. But this was going way, this was just, it's nuts. Some people are completely open. They, they, they do don't have care. an open marriage. And that's, but yeah. I'm just saying for me, like it's yeah, hard, hard for me. Understand. It's hard for me to understand and share that because I don't know. It's just weird to me. But it's, you're, it's whatever <laughs> you, you, you want to do, you, you do, do you. you. Yes. <laughs> New number, who dis, you know? <laughs> so, um, so in addition to her prostitution, she was having casual sex with both male and female lodgers within her household. And individuals Fred encountered via his work. So, his co-workers. She was just fucking all the people. She was very promiscuous. She also bragged to several people that no man or woman could completely satisfy her. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So when engaging in sexual relations with women, Rose would gradually increase the level of brutality to which she subjected her partner with acts such as partially suffocating her partner or inserting increasingly large dildos into her partner's (laughs) body. All right. Now we're talking. That doesn't sound so bad. (laughs) The choking part, I'm not all about. Just not with that. I could... (laughs) I've known some pretty hot dogs. If the woman resisted or expressed any pain or fear, this would greatly excite Rose. So she definitely was a sexual sadist. If there was a safe word. He would typically... Pop popsicle. (laughs) Purple. Purple popsicle. She looks like a fucking kumquat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Ew. She's ugly. She's not... I mean, I would understand if this lady was this beautiful. Like, Maybe this is just her mugshot. Let's find some. Bitch, this is her. This. <laughs> let look. me see. Let me. Let <laughs> me find out. No. <laughs> let me see. Let me see. <laughs> wow, that's them. Yes. That is such a nice. But would you want to have sex with this ugliest? This is wow. like a church portrait from Olin Mills. Yes, that's it. Yes. So I'm gonna post. I'll post this. Uh, I'll post a couple classic. of these. Most of you guys on Patreon will get definitely see these. Oh, man. Okay, now i got to figure out where, where I was in my story here because, Jesus. So, this is going to be a little bit longer episode because I just, I like to do lots of research whenever I get through these and I'll try to speed it up a little bit. I'm sorry because the first part was a little shorter. Yeah. Um, Because we had to answer the door. So, she just was very promiscuous. I don't know. And so, she she was a sexual sadist. So, aren't you women enough to take it, is what she would say. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, as she was fucking them with dildos. And, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're not. Like, she didn't look like a woman. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to find a picture. She's very to manly. To see if there's a better picture. So, to many of, of these women, it appeared, it became apparent, Rose and her husband, who regularly participated in threesomes with his wife and her lovers, took a pleasure from seeking to take women beyond their sexual limits, typically via sessions involving bondage. As the West openly admitted to taking a particular pleasure from any form of sex involving a strong measure of dominance, pain, and violence. All right. To cater to these fetishes, they amassed a large collection of bondage and restraining devices. Like a red room? Mm-hmm. Magazines and photographs. I'm not necessarily against all that. It's just, I'm not. Later, it has to be consensual. Later That's expanding this collection to include videos depicting bestiality and graphic child abuse. Child sexual abuse. Rose controlled the West family finances. She's fucking. Uh uh-uh. Fred giving his um her his pay packets. The re- the room Rose used for prostitution was known throughout the West household as Rose's room. Had several hidden hidden peepholes following or allowing Fred, a longtime lawyer, to watch her entertain her clients. He also installed a baby monitor into the room, allowing him to listen from elsewhere in the house. God dang, she's fucking ugly. She well back then. The back room then included a bad. private bar and a. She looks like fucking Joan Jett in that damn picture. What's wrong with Joan Jett? And I love Joan Jett. Joan <laughs> Jett's prettier. I love Joan Jett. No, I'm just saying, but her haircut's Joan Jett's haircut. She yeah. doesn't look like her. Her haircut looks like Joan Jett's. So the room, like I said, had. Um, That's burned down. Oh hell! <laughs> so the room had um, peepholes in it, basically glory holes, peepholes from the watch. She had a baby monitor to carry around. Um, she's the only one that had a key to the room. She carried around her neck. Fred installed a separate doorbell to the household. <clears throat> 
which Rose's clients were instructed to ring whenever um, they visited the household. Much of the money earned from Rose's prostitution was spent on home improvements. Okay. I'm going to fuck you with this large deal, though. Okay. Oh, we can get a new doorbell. I'm going to go build a deck. Shit. Rose controlled the finances, um, giving um, her his pay. uh, Fred gave him all the money for her to control everything. Um, so again, the only room she used was Rose's room. There were holes for him to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Glory holes. Watch him. Uh, so oh, in 1977, really? Rose's father had become, had come to tolerate his daughter's marriage to develop a grudging respect for Fred. Together, he and Fred opened a cafe they named the Green Lantern. Wow. Which was soon insolvent when Bill Letts discovered Rose's prostitution. <laughs> he would also visit to have sex with his daughter. Wow. Yes, I said he would go. I'm telling you, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. By 83, she'd given birth to eight children. Wait, least... Rose's dad visited to have sex with Rose? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, wow. Yes. The man that her firstborn may have been from. Yeah. The man, the man that, that didn't approve sexually of, abused yeah. her, molested her mm-hmm. her whole life until wow. she left, paid to have sex with his daughter. Own fucking daughter. By 1983, she'd given birth to eight children, so at least three of whom were conceived by clients. Wow. Fred willingly accepted these children at his, as his own, falsely informed them the reason their skin was darker than that of their siblings was because his great-grandmother was a black woman. Hmm. So each... Um, when each of the West children reached age of seven, they were assigned numerous daily chores to perform in the house. They were seldom allowed to socialize outside the household perimeters unless either Fred or Rose were um, present and had to follow strict guidelines imposed by their, imposed by their parents with rules. The children feared being the uh, recipients of violence from their parents and the vast majority inflicted by Rose occasionally by Fred. The violence was sometimes irrational, indiscreet, or just inflicted for Rose's gratification. Yeah, just because she wanted to. Because she's, she's a sexual yeah, sadist. she's an abuser. Which, a lot of times, the stories that we told, that I've told, mm-hmm. they're men. She yeah. is this, and he is too, but she definitely. That's not as common for a woman. It's yeah. not common for a woman. Um, a lot of times, I think if they're women of that, they're working in Amsterdam and like the dungeon. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. as a dom, that's how they're getting their gratification with that. Not, you know, whatever. So she always took great care not to mark the children's faces or hands um, in the assaults. Of course. To yeah. have, you know, yeah. proof. Heather then, her, Heather, then her younger brother, Stephen, who was born in 73, ran away from home. Both returned to Cromwell Street after several weeks of ultimately sleeping rough or staying with friends. And both were beaten when they returned home. So between 72 and 92, the West children were admitted to the um, accident emergency or emergency department, like I said, a lot. 31 times. Mm-hmm. Wow. 31 times. The injuries were explained as accidents and never reported to social services. That's where the system's fucked up. Mm-hmm. It is fucked up. Yeah. Those kids still have never been returned. Yeah. Um, so on one occasion, as Stephen was mopping the kitchen floor with a cloth, Rose accidentally stepped onto the bowl of water she had been using. In response, Rose hit the boy over the head with the bowl. Oh, my God. Then repeatedly kicked him in the head and chest as she shouted. You did that on purpose, you little swine. On other, another occasion, Rose became furious about a missing kitchen, kitchen utensil, then grabbed a knife she had been using to uh, cut a, a slab of meat 
reportedly inflicting light scar marks to May's chest until her rib cage was covered with light knife wounds. All the while, May screamed, No, Mum, no, Mum, as Stephen and Heather stood by helplessly sobbing. So these kids, again, now these kids... Are witnessing the same abuse, going through the same... Parents... Mm-hmm. The parents of both of them should have been prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Child Rose, child Fred should not have had to endure all that they right. did. Now because that's what contributed to them their growing parents, up to be the adults. Now these yeah. children are getting exposed to all this. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that one of these children break, breaks the cycle, breaks the right. cycle of what's going on. You know, like one of them wrote, Emery wrote a book and... That maybe what broke the cycle of mm-hmm. all this because she's you know it just telling your story and talking about it. Um, so, oh, I thought something happened with the phone. I was like, "What's no, going on? What's going it's on?" It's moving closer there? to me for some reason. <laughs> Why well, didn't move it? What's going on? So, um, even Fred occasionally became the recipient of Rose's violence. On one occasion in August of '74, Rose chased after Fred with the car. I'm sorry, it's funny because. I've wanted to do this many times, and I didn't. She chased him with a carving knife in her hand. Fred was able to slam shut the door to the room um, into which he had run into as Rose lunged at him with the knife, resulting in the knife embedding itself into the door. Wow. So, fear of Rose's um, fingers sliding down the blade, almost severing them from her hand. In response, she just calmly wrapped her hand in a towel and said, Look what you've done, fella. You've got to take me to the hospital. Yeah, it's it's their fault. It's his fault. Yes. Yeah. She's very narcissistic mm-hmm. as well. So it's two narcissists in with this, you know. So um, so initial sexual assaults that happened, um, I'm not going to get too much into these because they're pretty graphic. So I'm just going to, so Anna Marie West, in 72, the West led eight-year-old Anna Marie to the cellar at 25 Crom- Cromwell Street, where the child was ordered to undress, Rose tearing her dress from her body upon noting the child's hesitation. She was then stripped naked bound to a mattress and gagged before she was raped by Fred um, with Rose's encouragement and after the rape Rose explained to the child everybody does it to every girl it's a father's job wow my god don't worry and don't say anything to anybody making clear these sexual assaults would continue Fred and Rose then threatened the child with severe beatings if they ever received word she had divulged the sexual abuse when endured at their hands and Anne Marie is the one that wrote the book Rose occasionally sexually abused Anna Maria herself and later took extreme gratification in degrading her with acts such as binding her to various items of furniture before encouraging Fred to rape her again and again and forcing her to perform household chores while wearing sexual devices and a miniskirt. From the age of 13, Fred and Rose forced Anna Marie to prostitute herself within the household. With her clients being informed Anna was 16, not 13, Rose was also presented in the room when these acts incurred to ensure Anna Marie did not reveal her true age. On one occasion, when one occasion when Anna Marie was age thirteen or fourteen, Rose took her to a local pub, insisting she drink several glasses of barley wine. Several hours later, Fred arrived to the pub to collect Rose and Anna Marie. Once they left the premises, Anna Marie is bundled into her father's van and beaten by Rose, who asked her, "Do you think uh, you could be my friend?" Before she was sexually abused by her father and stepmother. God. Caroline Owens, 1972. The West hired 17-year-old Caroline Owens as their child's nanny. They had picked her up one night on a secluded country road as she hitchhiked 
So it's not always the hitchhiker that's going to be the serial killer, guys. I mean, but still don't pick him up. <laughs> um, so they picked her up and learning that Owen disliked her stepfather and was looking for a job. Um, they basically took her in and offered her this part-time employment as a nanny to their three children in the household. With the promise she would be driven home each Tuesday, several days later, Owens moved into 25 Cromwell Street, sharing a room with Anna Marie, who Owens noted was very withdrawn, which I can only fucking yeah. imagine how withdrawn she was. Rose, who began to engage in prostitution, um, who had begun to, this is when she's doing all the prostitution, explained to Owens that she worked as a um, masseuse when the younger woman inquired about the steady stream of men visiting her wow. in Rose's room. <laughs> so, according to Owens, Fred also said he was skill, a skilled apparitionist who was available should um, she ever need such a service. A what? Aberitionist. What is that? Skilled aberitionist. Aborish. A-B-O-R-T-I-O-N-I-S-T. Abortionist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, this is my third episode. <laughs> what is an aberitionist? This is my third episode tonight. We can't so do if, three he's anymore. he's saying if any of you ever need an abortion, he can do that. I'm really not this stupid. That's sad. Bell knows I'm not this stupid. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's All because right. we, took, we took a long F. We took a short. We, we did, did. And then we took a... So now we look a lot to, like, finish covering. So... Okay, I'm with the abortionist. Let me get a drink. This is why you need to let me drink alcohol. <laughs> I have water. Okay. It's good for you. Hydrate. We're going to start story time back over again. Abortionist. I got it. Okay. <laughs> I got it. <sighs> Listeners will be like, abortionist. <laughs> We're here to make you laugh. <laughs> We're just kidding. It was a joke. I knew what I was talking about. Made you laugh, huh? <laughs> oh, shit. Good stuff. Okay, so he said that he was an abortionist should she ever need it. Okay, good to know. So mom's a prostitute, dad's an abortionist. Yeah. You know, hey. Hmm. But he didn't kill the three or four kids that were yeah. from her clients. So, now i got to figure out where I was because, you know. Okay, so here it is. So, he was a skilled abortionist who was available should she ever need such a service. Owens also noted <laughs> Fred talked about sex almost incessantly. <laughs> Incessantly? Insistently? Oh, shit. Incessantly. <sighs> That's what Y'all, I'm tired now. Incessantly. What time is it? It's um, 8.28. We've been recording since 3.45. Yeah, about that time. Yeah, so that's why I'm a we're a little I'm a little tongue tied. So you have to bear with. That's what she said. Okay. You ever seen High School Musical? Uh, no. And Sharpay's like. No. Oh. You've never seen High School Musical? Uh, no. We're all in this (laughs) together. I can do the dance. I've seen uh, like Grease with you, and. um, Hamilton in New York, and that's really it. I don't do musicals. Oh, that's what Ross and Ted do. That's a, that's a different. That's different. Just a little bitty pissing country place. Nothing much to see. What's that one song? Hard candy Christmas. No messing around. <laughs> we give a nice hot crowd. She's dancing now with her leg <laughs> up on the table. It can be. It's just that. Time country place. Oh my god. <laughs> Are 
Are you sure you're not drinking? I'm sure. I'm getting delirious because I've been recording for five hours. Five hours. Okay. Okay. Sorry, guys. I, I, I'm trying to hurry here. I just got a little sidetracked. Okay. So, when Owens herself became the recipient of the West um, overt sexual advances, she announced her intentions to leave Cromwell Street and return home. Knowing Owens' habits of hitchhiking along the A40 between Cinderfold and Tewksbury, the West formulated a plan to abduct her for their, self, for their shared gratification. Oh, Fred later admitted that the specific intent was, of this abduction was the rape and likely murder of Owens, oh but that this initial incentive <clears throat> was to determine whether his wife would be willing to at least assist him in an abduction. So on December 6th of 72... The couple lured Owens into their vehicle with an apology for their conduct and the offer of a lift home. Initially, initially Owens believed that the West had been sincere and their fucking take it pictures with her damn dog. Sincere in their apologies to her and obliged, believing she had simply mistaken their earlier intentions. Oh. Rose joined her in the back seat with explanations she wanted a girls chat as Fred drove. Shortly thereafter, Rose began to fondle her oh, as wow. Fred questioned whether she had sex with her boyfriend that <clears throat> and Fred questioned whether she had had sex with her boyfriend that evening. When Owens began to protest, Fred stopped the car, referred to Owens as a bitch, and punched her into unconsciousness before he and Rose bound and gagged her with a scarf and duct tape. Yes. So in her statement to police, Owens stated that at Cromwell Street, she was given a drugged cup of tea to drink, then again gagged and subjected to prolonged sexual assault from Fred and Rose. At one stage, Fred remarked that Owen's clitoris was unusual, oh, wow. then lashed her genitals with a leather belt. She was how old? 17? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When Owen screamed, Rose again smothered her with a pillow and further restrained her about the neck and performed um, oral sex on her. Quickly realizing the gravity of her situation, Owen sees resisting their sexual assaults, yeah. which is what they tell you to do. Yeah, just, just let them don't do what fight. They do, and they're gonna and they mm-hmm. let her go. So they the follow- did leave her, but let her so go. So the following, uh, well, I'll finish it now. Okay. The following morning, um, no one's Owen screaming was noted by one of the children. Um, <clears throat> When one of them had knocked on the door of the room in which she was restrained, Fred threatened that he and his wife would keep her there, locked up in the cellar, and allow his black friends to abuse her. Wow. And that when they had finished, um, he would bury her body beneath the paving stones at Gloucester. 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 Shire. No, this says G-L-O-U-C-E-S-T-E-R. Gloucester. Fred then claimed he had killed hundreds of young girls, adding that Owens had primarily... Um, had brought to the house for Rose's pleasure is why she was brought there. He and Rose then calmly asked Owens whether she would consider returning to work as their nanny. Seeing her escape avenue, Owens agreed and vacuumed the house to indicate her belief in becoming an extended uh, member of the family. Later that day, Owens escaped from a wanderette. She and Rose had entered and returned home. Although initially too ashamed to divulge to her mother that had happened, so she yeah, did yes. See, yeah. So when her mother noted the welts, bruises, and exposed subcutaneous tissues on her daughter's body, Owens burst into tears and confided what had happened to her mom. Wow. So Owens mom um, immediately reported, of course, her daughter's ordeal to the police and the Wester were arrested and charged with assault and decent assault. I said oh, wow a lot this whole story, so I'm just like <laughs> wow. Wow. Say, wow. Say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm like, God damn I told you they're fucking crazy. Um, so, 
the actual bodily harm and rape. The case was tried at um, Gloucester Magistrate's Court on January 12th of 73, but to this day, Owens had decided she could not face the ordeal of testifying in court. I'm sure oh, she was scared to yeah. death. I mean, I can only imagine. It's um, so all, I mean, uh, it it's shouldn't embarrassing, be. But, but it is. Talk about those things that were it done is, to you. Because, yeah. because it's... You lose your power. Yeah. You've yeah. lost your power. You're, and you have control about, over your body, yeah. and you've lost your power mm-hmm. and the control of your body. Right, right. Um, so by this date, Owens had decided she could not face him in court, so all charges pertaining to her sexual abuse were dropped. Wow. And the West God. agreed to plead guilty to the reduced charges of indecent assault and um, causing actual bodily harm. So each was fined. 50 pounds. Yeah. And they, I don't know the equivalent to dollars, but I don't think it's very much. It's not a dollar. And the couple yeah. were allowed to walk free from court. There's this, the euro is worth a little bit more than a dollar now, but I would, it's about a buck. But they left court. Mm, they were wow. free. So when Owens heard this news, she attempted suicide. Well, of course. I mean, I would. Like, I, what's the, yeah. I'm sure they, she thought they're coming back for me, mm-hmm. you know, but she never hitchhiked again. But, right, you know, um, I mean. So three months after the West assault trial, the couple committed their first known murder. The victim was a 19-year-old named Linda Gull, with whom Fred and Rose became acquainted through a male lodger in early of 70, 1973. Um, she always visited the Cromwell Street and engaged in affairs with two male lodgers. On April 19th, she moved into their home on Cromwell Street. On April 20th, other ta- um, tenants were told that she had been uh, told to leave the house after she had hit on one of their children. The story was repeated to um, Gal's mother when she contacted the West to find out about their da- her daughter, um, but then her, her dismembered body was found. The jaw was completely wrapped in adhesive and surgical tape to silence her screams, and two small tubes had likely been inserted into her nasal cavities to mm. um, allow breathing. Long sections of string and sections of knotted fabric were also discovered with her remains. Bones pieces missing, like I said. Um, I'm not going to go... I'm going to... I'm gonna tell you the because um, I don't want to glorify what happened to these these women. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna tell you their. I'm just gonna tell you the victims. If you yeah. guys want to read about this, it, I mean, yes, it was difficult for me to tell about um, you know the case that I told about two weeks ago because it just hit home and he punched the three and a half girl. Yeah. It's hard, but they were sexual sadists and the stuff that they did to these victims it was very hard. So I'm gonna. I'm not going to go into full detail with that. Of each one. I'm going to yeah, let you each guys. murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you the victims. But it wasn't then. until her that they were murdering. But they, right. it's that so, escalation, that build up. That sexual sad- mm-hmm. sadistic acts that they were um, doing. I mean, I've almost been talking for an hour this time. Mm-hmm. So sorry, guys. We're almost done. So the victims were Anne McFall, 18, who was the nanny's friend. Charmaine West was eight when oh, she died. Yeah. Raina West was 27. Linda Gow was 19. Raina was one they didn't find till later, right? Raina is Charmaine's mom. Right. Yes. Linda Gow was 19. Carol Ann Cooper was 15. Lucy Catherine Partington was 21. Teresa Sangenthaler was 21. Shirley Hebert was 15. Juanita Mott was 18. Shirley Robinson was 18. Allison Chambers was 16. Heather West was 16. That's, that's all the murders. Heather West, was that one of their children? Um, so I'm going to get to that here in just a second. Okay. So, yes, Heather West was one of their children. Um, so the final murder of Fred and Rose are known to have committed with a definite sexual motive occurred on August 5th, 1979. Um, the victim was a 16-year-old named Allison Chambers, who had run away from a local children's home. Um, and... 
Chambers is believed to have lived with her household for several weeks before her murder. Rose promised Chambers she could live at a rural, peaceful farm she claimed she and Fred owned. Her body, body was also buried in the garden of Cromwell Street, uh, close to the bathroom wall. And although Chambers was likely dismembered, her skeleton was not marked by um, anything um, like the earlier victims that wouldn't mm-hmm. have restraints or anything like that. Um, so Fred and Rose later posted a letter written by Chambers to her mother prior to her murder um, from a post box. So I'll put all that out there as well. Post those letters and stuff. Um, Heather West. So when I was listening earlier to um, the other podcast, it, it um, what they said, Heather had expressed to Maine Stephen her desire to run away from home and live a nomadic lifestyle in a forest of Dean and to never again see any human beings after going through all this stuff. I with. get it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those other murders that I didn't tell you guys about, you'll just have to look them up because it was pretty much the same situation. Yeah, but it goes into deep detail yeah. about them, and I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. the full detail because it's very gory. And these some of these girls were young. There was always the BDSM, always torture, bondage, sure. torture, rape, rape, humiliation, degradation. Exactly. Yes, yes, and mm-hmm. on every single one of them, and it just and that's why they, no one else was allowed in the garden, and he mm-hmm. only allowed the visitors to go to the upstairs or people that were staying there, they were the only ones allowed in the garden because a lot of the bodies were buried there. Mm-hmm. So, Heather did complain to friends about the abuse she and her siblings endured, and her um, external signs of psychological distress were noted by several of them. Staff at the um, Hoklacoat Secondary School, which Heather and her siblings attended. Y'all are already going to be, I'm going to be like, this is how you pronounce this. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Listen. If y'all wouldn't name y'all second school, so got hit hard. Cars <laughs> right? are called like Smith yes, Elementary. <laughs> yes. Hayes. <laughs> Utley. Um, so which Heather and her siblings attended are also known to have expressed concern as to why Heather, a studious and obedient pupil, refused to obey orders either to change her clothing for or shower after sporting activities. Well, we know why. Because she was being abused and they were she didn't was embarrassed. Scars, I'm sure, were there. On one occasion, she was forced to take a shower, resulting in her peers and staff noting her arms, legs, and torso were covered in welts, bruises, and various stages of healing and scars. Heather attended to excuse his injuries as having been obtained in fights with her siblings, but confided in one close friend that they had been inflicted by her parents, adding that her mother considered her a little bit she deserved her beatings. Oh, my God. By the mid-80s, rumors of Rose's sex life had reached several of the children's classmates, because I'm sure their fathers visited yeah. and their mothers, although the West children had been instructed never to divulge uh, details of their home lives to their peers. Heather confided to her friends that many of these rumors were true. The father of one of these classmates was a friend of the West. As such, word soon reached Fred and Rose that Heather had divulged details of her home life, including details of her mother's uh, promiscuity to her classmates, Fred was also concerned by these um, revelations that he began to escort Heather to and from school. Mm. So, after Heather left school in 80, 1986, she applied for numerous jobs in an effort to leave Cromwell Street because she wanted to work, make her own living, get the fuck away from them. And I don't, right. I don't blame her. Yeah. So, by June of the following year, she had pinned her hopes of escaping the household via obtaining a job as a chalet cleaner. C-H-A-L-E-T chalet cleaner mm-hmm. at a holiday camp in the seaside town. So I guess it would be like a maid. Yeah. Um, F. Torquay. She received notification that her application had been unsuccessful on June 18th. In response, she crumpled into tears before her siblings, May and Stephen. 
The same evening, her whole family heard Heather sobbing aloud as she attempted to sleep. And according to May, she cried all the way through the night. She, uh, the following morning on June 19th, Heather was back to her usual self, looking miserable, biting her nails, and sitting on the couch, bouncing back and forth as she sat, as her siblings left the house to go to school. When Heather's siblings returned home, they were informed Heather had left to accept the job <sighs> she had previously been given, refused in Torquay. All that Rose uh, told an inquiring neighbor that she and Heather had um, had a hell of a row and that Heather had run away from home. Later, to answer to their children's questions about why Heather failed to contact or visit their siblings, the parents claimed that Heather um, was eloped, uh, had eloped with a lesbian lover. I mean, just habitual liars. Yeah. The whole, just so many fucking lies. Lies, lies, lies. These kids are just going to be liars as well because mm. they don't know any different. So on more than one occasion, Fred and Rose persuaded an unknown acquaintance to fake a phone call from Heather to her parents. In the years following Heather's, Heather's disappearance, Fred occasionally jokingly threatened the children, um, all the rest of the children, if they misbehaved and acted up and did not do what they were told to do, you know, and act and all this crazy shit, they would end up under the patio like Heather. Three stones down, two stones over or something, or two stones down, three stones over. So, with Rose's approval, he later constructed a barbecue pit immediately opposite where Heather's, um, Heather had been buried and placed a pine table on her grave for the children of the family to sit upon whenever the West Hill family gathered oh in their garden. So, her disappearance, with Heather's disappearance, Fred and Rose is constantly changing stories about their daughter's whereabouts, plus their allusions to foul play, ultimately led to police inquiries as to Heather's whereabouts. These inquiries culminated in a search warrant um, being issued to um, excavate the West Garden in February of 1994. So in May of 92, Fred asked her 13-year-old daughter, um, Louise, the arrest, to bring some bottles to a room on the first floor of their home. Rose was not present in the home at the time. Shortly after, the girl's siblings heard her scream, no, don't. No, don't. <laughs> Later, Fred returned downstairs. Louise was found by her siblings, writhing in pain, sobbing that her father had raped and sodomized oh, her. Oh, my gosh. At one stage, partially strangling her when Rose returned home. Louise confided in her mother that she had been raped by Fred. Rose replied, oh, well, you are. All right, sorry, guys. It cut off in the middle of it. And I'm talking fast, I was told. I'm sorry. I talk fast. You're told I'm from Texas. <laughs> Belle told me I talk fast. I'm from Texas. We talk fast. We like it fast. We I like just said just because it's so much, it's hard to follow the story. And, like, I know me, I'm trying to think about it in my mind as you're telling the story to yes. put it all together like a TV show or something. Yeah. And sometimes it's going too fast it for does. me to follow. Because we, ha- we, we have that brain. We can yeah. picture what we're yeah. talking about. Like some, like people, some don't. people don't. have. Yeah. So, over the following weeks, Louise was raped on three further occasions. With Rose personally witnessing one of these rapes before following um, her distress and bleeding daughter into the bathroom and asking the child, well, what did you expect? Fred also filmed one of these rapes. Several weeks later, Louise garnered the courage to confide in a close friend um, what her father had done. This friend told her own mother, thank God, that um, what had happened on August the 4th in response their friend's uh, mother anonymously informed the police. Yes, tell someone. Tell That's what someone. We've said, oh, right, tell, tell someone. someone. Yeah, it tell may someone. not always. I mean, they may not do anything, but God. So, I'm gonna wrap this up. It's not the end of the story. 
But we're going to actually, I'm going to bring this back when we have our true crime episode Next and tell week, you yeah. about the investigation. Because there's so much. We don't About the search it. warrant yeah. and tell you about the discoveries of all these bodies. The, um, when they exhumed the bodies in 94, um, the arrest of Fred and the arrest of Rose. So let me wrap this up. So on August um, 6, 1992, the police searched the West household on the pretext of searching for stolen property. Although numerous objects of sexual um, paraphernalia, including 99 pornographic videos of both homemade and commercial nature, were discovered, police did That's not find not the... necessarily unusual. There's some no, porn addicts out there. No, but police... Now it's all on somebody's flash driver. Police did not find the video depicting the rape of Fred's daughter. The 13-year-old made a full statement through a specially trained solicitor describing her father's actions, the fact hmm. that sexual abuse had begun when she was 11, and that her mother had been casually indifferent to her plight. All the children in the household were placed in foster care the following day. Medical, well, medical, acted quick then. Medical examinations revealed evidence of physical and sexual abuse on hmm. every child. Every child? The West children also divulged their mother had inflicted most of the physical boot. Abuse, 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 and that their father frequently said that if they told anyone about the goings on in the household, they would be buried under the patio like their sister Heather. So, sorry this was long, guys. Sorry, but it's very important that you hear this whole story because when I was researching this, I was like, God damn, they're fucking nuts. No kidding. Like, people, kids are going through this today. I cannot believe. I just, anyways. So, go to our Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, go to Patreon, send us your stories. You guys know the shit show and all that stuff, so I'm not going <laughs> to keep repeating it. But that's it, and stay tuned for next week for True Crime. Yeah, wrap-up of this Yes. Week. I'm sorry, guys. We have recorded, we've been recording now for four to five, six, yeah. seven, four and a half hours. Like, Thanks for... Um, we tried to get ahead for once when we got to town. You guys don't miss a week of having yeah. our lovely voices. So everyone stay safe. Hopefully the world hasn't exploded by the time this comes oh, out. Shit, and right? You know. I'll go from yeah. there. I broke all my safety fa- or my paper clips. I'm yeah, looking no, for. Yeah, sure. God yeah. dang it! I'm sitting here twisting. Back. <laughs> like, what? Intense, intense. So abolitionist. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. I meant abortionist. Okay. You just didn't understand. It's good. <laughs> We're fine. It's Y'all fine. Y'all stay tuned. Y'all come back now. You, you hear? hear?